this week for a lot of our children, many of our children, school starts back for not only for them, but for our teachers. And then next week, I guess the rest of our children and teachers get started with everything going on. So before we begin the message this morning, I want us to pray over, pray for our children. I want us to pray for our um, teachers and those that are, that are employed by our school system. So let's do this. If you are going to school this year, would you stand up? All right, yeah. All right. All right, now, if it's part of your job to help these that are going to school, would you stand up? So that means if you're a teacher employed in the school system, all that stuff that you do, yes. All right, now the rest of us and all of us will pray. So let's go to the Lord now. Father, we thank you for children. We thank you for those that are involved in their education. And Lord, we ask first and foremost that they would see you at work in their lives. God, that you would give them opportunity as they see you at work to tell other people about how good God is. Lord, we ask you for protection. We ask you for good grades. We ask you for the ability to develop mind, soul, and body and spirit, Lord, that it would all develop. Lord, we pray for our students that you would give them people, surround them with people who are working for their good and not their harm, who are wanting to lead them to be stronger and better young men and women. Lord, we pray for our school system employees. God, that you would protect them that you would prepare their hearts even now for the children that they will interact with, that they will teach, that they will serve. Lord, we pray that you would give them wisdom to understand when to have the hand of discipline and when to have the hand of compassion. Lord, that you would give them insight into the child that learns differently than others and that you would be, they would be able to, to bring them along. Lord, we pray for those in our school system that struggle with language. God, that you would surround them with people that would be able to help them communicate. That you would give them the ability to learn language quickly. And so, Father, as we, as Mount Zion Baptist Church, I pray for us that we would not um, have a, just a one-time prayer, that, but we would routinely and consistently pray for our students, pray for school, pray for those that are, le that are learning and for those that are teaching. So God, it's our privilege today to have our children with us, and it's our privilege to pray for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're still on this guy named Jonah. Now just a quick summary, Jonah was a prophet, which if you put it in today's words, that meant that Jonah was a preacher, and Jonah's job up to the point when we first meet him is, has been that he wants to tell all the people around him, how bad the people of Nineveh are. In fact, he became quite famous telling that story. People of Nineveh are bad. Don't mess with the people of Nineveh. And it was going really well for him. And then one day, God stepped into his life. And at that moment, 
that God stepped into his life, he said, I don't want you to preach how bad the Ninevites are anymore. What I want you to do is to preach a message to the Ninevites, which means you're going to have to get away from the outside of the city, and you're going to have to go into the inside of the city, and you're going to have to hang out with these people that you hate. That was not cool with Jonah. Because he was like, hey God, wait a minute, I got a good thing going and now you want me to do this. And not only do you want me to go in there and hang out with people I don't like, but if I go in there and hang out with people that I don't like, and I preach this message that you want me to preach, then and you're going to be gracious, and you're going to be merciful, and you're going to save them, you're going to change their lives, they're going to repent of their sin, and now you're not going to destroy them like you had said you would. And Jonah said, I don't like it. He didn't like it so much that he was willing to die. He said, I tell you what, do. You just throw me out of a boat. Let me die because I'd rather die than go tell those people. But then when he got thrown out of the boat and then when he got swallowed by the big fish. Can everybody say big fish? Yes, when he got swallowed by the big fish, now his story was changing. He was like, God, if you'll save me, I'll go talk to those Ninevites. And the way it reads to us out of the scripture, it says that he was vomited. Ugh, can everybody say, ugh? Who wants to be fish vomit? Nobody. All right, so he got thrown up onto the bank. He had to clean himself off. He then had to walk into the city. And it says that it was a three-day journey across. And when he walked in, he started preaching this five-word sermon in Hebrew. And it was eight words in English. And he started preaching it. And immediately, people just started turning to the Lord. They started turning away from sin. So much so that the king of the Ninevites went and got out of his royal robe and he put on sackcloth and ashes. Now you got to understand, that would be cheap clothes and a lot of dirt. All right, It says that the king did that. And so the king put on cheap clothes and a lot of dirt and he proclaimed throughout all the land that Nobody should eat, not even the livestock, because he wanted the people to focus on God, to turn back to God, and they did. In fact, it's the only time in history that we know of that an entire people group came to the Lord on his terms. Everyone did it. You would think that Jonah would be skipping across the town going, people turn to God, people turn to God, God is awesome, God is amazing, God is cool. But that is not what happened. In fact, he was so upset. Let's just take our Bibles. Let's go ahead and turn there to the book of Jonah. Jonah, and we'll read verse 10 of chapter 3, and then we'll read the first three verses of chapter 4. So, verse 10 says, Then God saw their works. What were their works? They decided they wanted to do it God's way, not their way. So they repented of their sin. God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster. Now, what was the disaster? He said that He was going to destroy the whole town and The only way the whole town could be saved was if the whole town repented. And they did that. Oh, Miss Carolyn, I did not see you sitting over there. 
Miss Carolyn has recently been in the hospital with a brain aneurysm, and today she is sitting in worship with us. Um, and I can't help but say that is pretty awesome. Um, in fact, she's going to have to have surgery in maybe three or four days for one more procedure. But the last time I saw you, you were out of it. And to see you sitting there ne today next to Hutt, you make him look good, by the way. Yes, you do. And so, at the end of the service, we're going to pray for you. Mr. Anderson, at the end of the service, we're going to pray for you today. You're going to be going into the hospital, I think, for a procedure very soon with some things going on. And don't let me forget, at the time of response, if you can make it here, we want to pray, okay? Um, certainly that wants to take place. Where were we? Sorry. Jonah. He had done, gone and preached, and those people turned to the Lord, and he didn't like it. In fact, God was so pleased that he said, I'm going to do a new thing. I'm not going to destroy them. I'm going to bless them. Now, let's look at it. Um, chapter 4, verse, verse 1. It. What was the it? That he did not destroy. It displeased Jonah exceedingly. Right, everybody pout. You know that pouty face you make when it don't go the way you want it to? Jonah was pouting. He was being a little baby in front of God. He was like, I don't like it. It's not good. What I thought you were going to do and what I wanted you to do, you didn't do, Kim. Happy birthday, by the way, up there talking while I'm preaching. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm going to let you because it's your birthday. Yes, ma'am. All right, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and it's displeased him so much that he got angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was this what, not what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore, now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. This is the second time that Jonah has said he would rather die than see the people of Nineveh be spared and to be made right with God. 2008, there was a movie that came out. It was called The Life of Benjamin Button. Brad Pitt starred in it. It was the story of a man who aged in reverse. Instead of getting older, he got younger. And he went from being just normal age all the way back to infancy. And his, infancy, and his body actually regressed in age. That, that is true. That really does happen to people. But I want to tell you, not only does it happen to people physically, but it happens to people spiritually. We are on fire for God. We grow to a point in our spiritual life. And then all of a sudden we decide we don't want to grow. And at the minute that we stop growing in our spiritual walk with God, we begin to regress in our spiritual maturity. We have the life of Benjamin Button, spiritually speaking. In fact, one man said this. He said, one of the problems that people face is that we lack a long obedience to Christ in the same direction. We lack obedience consistently walking with God, consistently pursuing God, consistently surrendering to Him and obeying Him. 
And at that moment when we think, I have arrived, we begin to go backwards. That's why the scripture would say, take up your cross daily and follow him. It's why the scripture would tell us to daily offer ourselves and our bodies as a living sacrifice to the Lord. And he would say that worship is your reasonable service of worship. Because he wants us to pursue, to grow, to mature in faith. He doesn't want us to become a Jonah who at one point in his life loved God so much that he said, God, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll preach what you want me to preach. And at the moment that God said, I want you to go in a different direction, he had gotten to the place that he said, God, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. But I don't want to go to those Ninevites. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, that's a sad day in our life. That we decide to do anything other than follow God. And there are so many things in life that will pull you away from God. Your eyes, can, what you look at can pull you away from God. What you listen to can pull you away from God. What you think about can pull you away from God. What you read can pull you away from God. And we want to take our lives and we want to consecrate. That's a big word which meant, simply means we want to devote, dedicate, Put our focus on God. Jonah had lost his focus. So if we talk about his life and where he is, what are some things that we can learn from this? I think there's three things that we see right quick. First of all, Jonah was a man who was displeased. Why was he displeased? He was displeased because God did not do what he wanted God to do. And when it came to his choice versus God's choice... Jonah said, I would rather have my way. Can you say that's bad? That's right. You never want your way over God's way. You always want to choose God's way. Jonah was displeased. In chapter 1, he was running from God. In chapter 2, he was running to God. In chapter 3, he was running with God. And now in chapter 4, we see him again running from God. In chapter 1, he was like the prodigal son. In chapter 4, he was like the prodigal son's brother. He was upset that that which had been lost had returned. Had Jonah ended in the book of chapter 3, he would have been a great evangelist. But he went on and wrote chapter 4. Jonah's displeasure is seen in his life two ways. He had a resentment toward the call of God. Now what does that mean? He resented what God told him to do. Had a conversation with a man recently. He said, I want to go where the Lord wants me to go. I want to do what the Lord wants me to do. And, and then he made another comment when he simply said, as long as God's letting me go the way I want to go. He didn't say that because that would be harsh. You wouldn't want to say that exactly. But that's kind of what, that's what he meant. Listen to me. There are going to be times and days and ways in the life of Mount Zion Baptist Church that God is going to call us to step in a direction that maybe wouldn't be our first choice. But the best choice you'll ever make is to walk with God. The happiest part of this book is Jonah chapter 3. He's walking with God. The happiest part of your life is going to be when you're walking with God. And I will tell you this, and you could probably stand up and give me testimony of the moments where you had peace in your life. It's when you said, yes, Lord. 
And the moment that you had the absence of peace, it's when you said, not today, Lord. A clear conscience makes the best pillow. Jonah was restless. Jonah was displeased. Jonah was resenting what God had called him to do. Not only was he displeased, he was so displeased that he got angry with God. He cried it out. He said, God, I did not. I'm angry with you. And he said, Lord, this is why I didn't want to go in the first place. Because I knew what you were going to do to those people. You were going to turn their heart. And then, when you turned their heart, you were going to, in your mercy and grace, you were not going to destroy them. God, and what he was saying is, God, I know better than you. And I believe this with all of my heart. That we are living in a day and an age when the church is going to have to stand up and live the first and the second commandment. Which says, I will love the Lord your God with all my heart and I will love my neighbor as myself. And there are people that are not lovable sometimes that get around us. But yet God commands us to love them. Jonah did not want God to work in his own way. Well, you see, Jonah was not just a displeased man, but actually Jonah was a dishonest man. Look at verse 2. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm the first time that Jonah prayed he was in the belly of the great fish the second time he prayed he was on the outside of a great city the first time he prayed he was Lord Lord save me the second time he prayed was Lord why did you save them now listen to me Have you ever noticed when you're the one that messes up, you love the mercy of God? Lord, be merciful. Forgive me. I blew it. Have you ever noticed when somebody else messes up, Lord, kill them? Not literally, but you know what I'm talking about. Just kind of squash them for a minute. That's not consistent. And when the world looks inside the church... And they hear us messing up and we say, Lord, have mercy. And they look and then hear us on the inside crying out, Lord, destroy. Yes, God is just. And yes, God is righteous. And yes, God is holy. And yes, God punishes sin. But He wants us as His people to cry out for forgiveness. He wants for us as His people who have been forgiven to cry out to Him to redeem those around us. And He wants to use us to do that. He says, you are my ambassadors. That literally means you're the one that speaks for me. Jonah is now praying. How do we see that he's dishonest? He makes an accusation against God. I mean, remember he was displeased, his displeasure led to anger, and right in the middle of his anger, he pauses and then he says, because I knew what you were going to do. I knew what you were going to do. And he accuses God of being God. 
of the, all the craziest things in the world. He says, you're God, and now look what you did to these people. Jonah was not upset because he did not believe God. Jonah was upset because he did believe God. Jonah was not upset because he did not know God. Jonah was upset because he knew God. Lord, give us our city. Lord, we don't want to be Jonah on the outside of Nineveh crying, don't redeem them. We want to be in the middle of the city crying, God, use us to live, to love, to demonstrate who you are. Jonah was upset because he believed that all of those positive characteristics, all of those things that he said, good and gracious and merciful, he believed they were for the people of Israel, not for the Gentiles, not for the people outside of the Jewish people. Guys, listen to me. If we become so inward focused, that we think that the work and the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God is just for us. We have become Jonah. He says, go into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in, that the house may be full. He tells us to go and to baptize them and teach them all that I have commanded you. A life of surrender. A life of Trusting God, a life of obedience. Does that life have opposition? It does. But it has great and mighty reward. Jonah is in the middle of a pity party. He's not liking it. He's in the middle of rage. He's a dishonest man. He's accusing God of being God. He's justifying it. He said, I fled for I knew that you are gracious, one who relents. I read a story about a preacher who left the pulpit to go to medical school. A few years had passed and one of his friends expressed some surprise to him at his career change. And he said, did you do this because you want to just help people more? He said, no, just to be honest with you, it's purely economic. He said... The reasons were purely economic. I discovered that people will pay more money to care for their bodies than for their souls. A few years passed and the friend came back through town and the ex-preacher now is an ex-doctor and he's a lawyer. And he said, so you just wanted to go back to helping people? He said, oh no, 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 it's purely economic. People will pay more money to care for their body than their souls he said, but I found out they pay the most money to prove they're right. And so many times, we're looking at God and saying, God, I am justified in this. I'm justified in this anger. I'm justified in this emotion. I'm justified in this lack of action. I'm justified in sleeping in. I'm justified in not showing up. I'm justified in not giving. I'm justified in all of these things. And then... I don't know about y'all, but anytime I'm justifying, I always have a reason it's okay. 
May not be a good one, but you know, I don't need a strong limb to hang a feather. God says, this is what I've called you to do. All right, so here we got Jonah, and I'm fixing to wrap it up. We got Jonah displeased, we got Jonah dishonest, and now we have Jonah as a disgraceful man. Look at verse 2 and 3 again. I know, therefore now, O Lord, verse 3, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Jonah demonstrates his disgracefulness by being self-centered, by the self-centeredness he exhibits. He doesn't say, Lord, here I am, use me any way you can. Lord, is there another city besides Nineveh? You've done a great work here. Who else can I go to and who else can I tell? He said, no, I'd rather die than to live that experience again. His life is not a life surrendered to God. His life is a life that's on a mission for himself to be justified. Benjamin Franklin said, the smallest package we've ever seen is a man wrapped up in himself. Yeah. Henry David Thoreau said, be yourself. Can I tell you that's the worst advice you could ever hear? I have been myself and that is not pretty. I have been myself and lost my temper. I have been myself and turned my eyes off of God. The heart heart is deceitful above all things. And what we need to do is not be ourself, but be the man and the woman and the boy and the girl that is sold out to the Lord Jesus Christ so that we are not us, but we are a reflection of Him. And who the world sees are people sold out to Christ, made in His image, Developed by His character. Obeying Him at His call. And loving people no matter what the cost. Jonah is self-centered. But you know really, Jonah's foolish. Lord, take my life. He had just seen the hand of God, the power of God, the work of God. And rather than rejoice, he just wants to die. There are a lot of great stories that come out of the NBA. There are a lot of great players that have gone through the NBA. But one story that sticks in my mind is a story about Larry Bird. Larry Bird was in a game against the Philadelphia 76ers. And the Boston Celtics coach, K.C. Jones called a timeout because they were trailing by just a point. They were trailing. He called timeout and he huddled his team and he began to take his little dry erase board and he began to draw a play and Larry Bird stepped into the middle of the huddle and he said, I tell you what, let's run this play. Just get everybody else out of the way and give me the ball. K.C. Jones was so upset with him. He said, I'm the coach of this team and I call the play. And he said, hey guys, everybody else get out of the way. Just give Larry Bird the ball. He made the basket and they won. Can I tell you what we need to do as men and women, as boys and girls, is we need to get out of the way and we need to hand God the ball and we need to follow Him to victory.